Hey everybody, Trentus Magnus here. This is the beginning of a series of breaks I intend to take from regular episodes where I talk about uh, comic books and devote my attention to specific sort of ongoing subject matter. So in this episode it's going to be uh, one particular thing, The and then in this is episode 7. Episode 14 is going to have uh, the next volume in this ongoing thing and so on and so on until I've um, gone through all of them, basically is how it's going to work. And this is where it all begins. Hey, your attention, please! This is a piece of art. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. Dr. Doom wears body to conceal his own mangled form. Worst episode ever. Why? Who shot first? Yeah. Who gives a shit? It's what's called super nerd nitpicking over something that's not really that important. Okay, welcome back to Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. I'm your host, Trentus Magnus, and I said from the start that I may not have all that many guest hosts on this show because you faithful listeners have me. There's no need to listen to anybody else when I'm around, but today's book falls pretty far outside of genres that I've discussed up to this point. In fact, Today's show marks the beginning of something I'll discuss in a bit more detail momentarily, but the point is that there's a podcaster out there that I thought might get a kick out of reviewing a book like this. So, now I'd like to welcome, for the first time to this show, and my first guest ever, and former Who Wants to Be a Millionaire champion, Chris Honeywell. Hi. I pissed it all away. Can I say pissed (laughs) on, on the Punching Reality podcast? Yes. I don't know. I mean, I've noticed that lately, uh, Two True Freaks... By the way, Two True Freaks, that's Chris's podcast. He's a co-host. Two True Freaks, that you've gone kind of G-rated lately, which, you know, whatever. It's not my business, but, you know, that's not not the way I at least wanted to do stuff. It's 50-50. It's funny. Nobody's asked us that yet. I've been waiting and waiting for the last year to see if anybody noticed and what they said. And it's funny. I listen to our older podcasts and hear a lot... it all we've been we've been um trying to keep it down on the harsher of the of the the bad words which i love bad words i have nothing against them but my but my other two true freak he he works at a certain a certain company that yeah i don't i personally don't think they would get after him but he's trying to keep anything that he's associated with, you know, job safe, job friendly for himself. Right. And that's fine with me. I can, I've, I've trained, I used to be on actual radio, so I trained myself not to swear. Okay. And, uh, but I have, I, didn't know that. I have plenty of podcasts that he's not on. <laughs> and we, and we haven't squashed the potty mouth on it. I think, actually, 
though the potty mouth has gone way down because just it's a chilling effect i think most of everybody else that's that's been on the podcast and ourselves just from self-censoring just we just swear less people just catch themselves swearing less and myself i i don't want to be like hey guys you know we can swear more you know (laughs) or less or or whatever it just seems to have sort of worked out that way i'll try harder i've 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 let out a few choice cuss words during my garage sale gloats and uh if i ever get back to doing the the, get the stomach to doing some media masochists you can mm-hmm. expect lots of swearing, and you know, as long as there's a Zack Snyder to be putting out any kind of movie, <laughs> I'll, I'll be swearing somewhere right behind it. There's a third Star Trek Abrams movie coming out too, so that'll that'll inspire me probably. Oh, he's doing another one. I said I I I think he's doing the third one. I'm, well, yeah, I'm not sure, but. If it goes in the direction, if Star Trek keeps going in the direction it is, I I might do a Scott Gardner and for the first time in my life just not go, not participate, save myself. I don't feel enriched from the last one. I don't feel like, well, at least I saw it, you know, or anything like that. So I might be actually at at that point, even though I am the media masochist. But fuck, man, I'll try to I'll try to keep up the 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 fuck talk in uh in this podcast sounds good yeah you're not gonna get fired right (laughs) (laughs) no no that's very unlikely so (laughs) i'm a jerk (laughs) (laughs) well you know if you can't laugh you kind of have to cry so yeah all right well now trying to get back on to my notes so, as I say, Chris is the co-host of the Two True Freaks podcast, which you can find at www.twotruefreaks.com. He's here to help me with today's book. You see, today's show marks the first of what I'm going to call the Big Book Report. You like that? I like that a lot. Yeah, actually. <laughs> this is going to be a recurring part of the show, and the way I have it planned, at least for now, is that I'll do six regular episodes, and then the seventh and eighth episodes will have dedicated subject matter each time. And starting with the ninth episode, I go back to the regular format, wash, rinse, repeat, right? So the seventh episode is going to be this big book. Then the 14th is going to be a different big book and then so on. For those who don't know, from 1994 until 2000, DC Comics used an imprint called Paradox Press to publish several anthology graphic novels dedicated to a lot of various topics. Books tended to cover several different subjects, all of which were unified by a common theme. So... You had the Big Book of Scandal, which covers memorable scandals in history. The Big Book of Hoaxes, which covers memorable hoaxes in history. The Big Book of Thugs, so on and so on. Several of the books had narrators or hosts or MCs or something who would guide you through each each book's subject. Now, according to Mike's Amazing World of DC, the series launched under the Paradox Press imprint on November the fourth, or sorry, November the first, 1994 with The Big Book of Urban Legends written by Robert Boyd, Jan Harold Brunvard, and Robert Lauren Fleming with art by a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. I don't think that we necessarily need to go through every single artist, but I thought some of them were notable enough that they should be mentioned. So we've got Charlie Adlard, Phil Jimenez, Frank Quietly, Pat Broderick, 
is it Kiron Dwyer or Chiron? How do you pronounce that? I always thought it was Kiernan for some reason. Oh, Kiernan? But that's only that, but that's not based on ever hearing anybody speak it. It's just like, that's what's always I've heard in my head when I've seen it written down. Fair enough. All right. (laughs) Well, um, best I can do. (laughs) All right. Uh, Greg, Greg LaRock, Howard Porter, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, uh, Kevin McGuire, Howard Shaken, freaking Ty Templeton, MD Bright, Joe Rubenstein, Jackson Geis, and about two billion others. Fred Hembeck has one in there. Um, the the guy who drew uh, Calvin and Hobbes. No oh, shit, Did which one? one? Uh, the Baby Train. The Baby Train? Oh, wow. Okay, I guess I, I didn't... Okay. It, I didn't it, connect either that or it's somebody completely aping his style. But he's but you would think if they were they would sort of parody Calvin and Hobbes, but it's just his style you know, when you see the little kids running in it, it's it it, it looks obviously to, unless somebody's just pulling a tribute or something, but Do you have the page number on that? Let me see if I can find it. I'm trying to look for it in the table of contents. It's not exactly, but I actually kind of want to take. Oh, the baby train here. It is one twenty, page one twenty six. Okay, let's see. That's the thing. I didn't look in the table of contents. I was just looking at the. Uh, the and they don't have any credit. You know, nobody signs their uh, their work in here. It's just sort of one after the other. And I, I thought that was kind of weird too, actually. Well, these. I used to pick these up before. I've got about four, three or four of these, the big books. Yeah. But I always used to, before I picked up the big books, which I think I got all of them at garage sales. I would find them at garage sales. But there used to be a magazine-sized version of this called 100% True. Okay. Yeah, I've heard about that. I just don't know anything about it. But yeah, I've heard of it. It was just a black and white magazine, and it was like they took all the big books and just put them on scramble so you had you know three or four pages of conspiracy theories three or four pages of urban legends you know and they were just sort of interspersed and then i'm assuming i i'm assuming that came first that i don't know honestly i i could not tell you i was Um, gonna dig them out but i had they're buried in my magazine box and i just couldn't get to them in my hoarder house but I've got them somewhere. I'll I'll, I'll look it up and <laughs> when I can do post comments on it on Facebook uh, as a follow through. But I used to pick those up all the time because I mean these these are perfect, you know, buy your toilet books. There you can you don't have to you don't have to invest more than a page of attention to them at a time. You know, it's funny you should say that's actually <laughs> that's actually further along in my notes. I said oh, this sorry. was great because it's perfect bathroom material. <laughs> great minds yeah. think alike. Yeah, and so do ours. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, the, you know, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, the the baby train. Yeah, this actually, I the guy's name. I'm totally blanking on it. But yeah, he does look like the Calvin and Hobbes. I guy. can't it's remember his like, name. I remember it starts like with a W or something like that. And, like, the details, like the bushes and stuff, are just completely look like they're in his style. That's one of my favorite stories, too. <laughs> you know, watch out for the baby train. All right, yeah, and the that that boy's, like, kind of Bart Simpson-y sort of, po- like, pointy hair. Mm-hmm. You know, that 
Now that I mean, it's like the minute you say that, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm looking at the um, table of contents now, and it says uh, the artist. I assume these, yeah, these are artists. It says Michael John Z J A N T Z E. I have no idea if that's the Calvin and Hobbes guy or not, but uh, damned if it doesn't look like his style, I'll tell you that. Right down to the little dots for eyes and the little yeah. kids piled on the train all look like Calvin and Hobbes kids. <laughs> well, and here again, we are <laughs> we, we are getting ahead of our mm. uh, of ourselves. I'm getting ahead of us. Anyway, so uh, those are the writers, a shit ton of artists. Those and many others helped make the uh, big book of urban legends, and it is the volume which Chris and I obviously are here to discuss. So the book starts with an introduction by co-author Jan Harold Brunvard. Now, Chris, I'm not sure if you read it, but did you get the idea that Jan Harold Brunvard just sort of looking down his nose at comics in his introduction? Did you get a chance to look yes. at that? Yes, yeah, and, and that's sort of, it's funny. It, I, I've noticed that um, throughout the whole, the 100% true, the whole thing, this this was during that awful period of comics, and there's it's still sort of the stench of it is still around where it was like apologizing for being a comic and this was I, I think these big books were presented as something for people who weren't normal normally comic book readers and saying hey here look here's something you know and maybe there was a little bit of it um, to like maybe we'll get some people into comics or something but it just seemed apologetic. I think at this time, there were a lot of people who were like, we want to hit the big market. Because there was stuff like Mouse and Harvey Picard that were sort of going into the regular pop culture other than outside of just comic culture. And especially Undergrounds. Undergrounds were getting a lot of... Uh, and Indies were getting a lot of attention in these days. Right. And... Uh, I think they wanted to make something that they could put on the shelves of of borders, you know, and and appeal to more than the comics audience. So, yeah, it gets that sort of intellectual sniffy um, sort of tone in the in the introductions. I which, thought so too. Which doesn't, it, it, which does not reflect the tone of the comics are light and and fluffy and fun and well except when they're gruesome and violent <laughs> well <laughs> those categories lump into the same thing for me but even huh. the gruesomeness is approached with sort of a good good-natured enthusiasm you know it's it revels in in the gruesomeness of the story which is pretty much the nature of urban legends you know the a lot of these are, are made to scare the hell out of your friends or around a campfire. You know, they're, they're just made to ha- to, for teenage girls who are home alone to tell each other. And and they, they, they play that up, you know. They, they, they sort of, um, most of them approach them. A lot of them, as a matter of fact, have the first two panels with somebody going, Hey, let me tell you a story about something similar to this. Right. That my uncle's brother's mother told me. So, <laughs> so they have that, you know. I once we get to the, the um. The actual comics, I enjoy the hell out of them. The text, not so much. You know, it's just. Right. Yeah, snooty. 
Well, in any case, Brunvar describes his education and career and how he first became interested in urban legends. And he defines an urban legend as a true story that's too good to be true. Wikipedia says that an urban legend, urban myth, urban tale, or contemporary legend is a form of modern folklore consisting of stories that may or may not have been believed by their tellers to be true. As with all folklore and mythology, God, I hate that fucking word, mythology. Okay, <laughs> excuse me, mythology. Is there is that or is that not the study of myth? Okay. Yeah, when I look at mythology, I look at br- larger stories than urban legends. You know. Well, right, but not, I mean more. I mean more the the usage, right? I mean, there's no such like mythology is the study of myth. Like, there's no there's no literary form out there, at least that I'm aware of, called mythology. There is something that's called myth but that but that's something else mythology is the study of myth so why do why the fuck do people i mean look guys people look words have meaning all right so to say that <laughs> well, okay whatever fuck uh, I'm, okay. as with all folklore and mythology the it, internet that, must kill you man it does god it does <laughs> well i'm an english teacher's son oh, so oh yeah okay yeah so you can imagine anyway the designation suggests nothing about the story's veracity but merely that it is in circulation exhibits variation over time and carries some significance that that motivates the community in preserving and propagating it. So, in simpler terms, what I, Trentus, would say, an urban legend is basically a story you hear about something that supposedly happened to a friend of a friend of a friend that involves some hilarious, ironic, tragic, bloody, or unfortunate ending. Odds are it never actually happened to anybody, but many people swear they know somebody that this stuff actually happened to. So, um, to get into the book, and I'm, I'm honestly not sure how far into this you want to go, because this is like something like 220-some-odd pages. I don't know if we can necessarily get into... It's, yeah, and each page is a story. Right. Right, yeah, and for those of you who are not reading this, I mean, some of these, uh, some of these stories actually go to two pages. Those are a little more rare. Usually this, I mean, this is... The, kind of the epitomizes pagers, one and done. The two-pagers usually have like ten of them in it, though. It's like a... They'll take a broad subject like the government is poisoning you, and they'll have like ten different ways, you know, stories about it, you know. Oh yeah, and there, yeah, and there's that too. So, but anyway, bottom line is this is a very densely packed uh, book. So, um, what I thought might be easiest for both of us, especially since you know you've got something to do tomorrow, uh, I figured we could just go through the best ones and then just call it a night after that. But to get into the book, um, I remember hearing uh, girls when when I when I was going to high school. I remember hearing girls share stories along the lines of the slasher under the car from page 18, mm-hmm. where basically some sicko hides under a woman's car. How they know any given car is a woman's car is beyond. I guess if it's pink, then maybe you'd know. But in general, I don't. It's what it's a Passat. I don't know how the hell you know something <laughs> like that. But anyway, uh, cuts her tendon. In the heel, uh, cuts the uh, tendon in her her, her uh, heel, and then all different types of mayhem might ensue. Maybe it's some kind of a gang initiation, she, and uh, who knows what might end up happening after that? Or maybe it's just a, a really bizarre and fucked up prank, and they just you know gift wrap her and put her in the trunk of her own car. You know, basically all kinds of little stories like that would surface, and they were all always variations on you know women need to wear hiking boots so that way you know when the when inevitably there's some lunatic hiding under their car nothing to worry about he's foiled yep foiled again (laughs) (laughs) 
but one that I actually heard, and for a long time, I'm sad to say, I, I hang my head in shame. I actually believed this, and this is maybe more to do with my own cynicism about the human race, but another one is called Cruise Control from page 93. Oh, yeah. Where some, some old guy doesn't understand that cruise control and his brand new RV is not the same thing as autopilot. So he sets the cruise control, gets up to make himself a sandwich, and then, of course, his RV crashes and just no... I mean, basically, even the guy in the story just sort of reminded me of my driver's ed uh, instructor. He was this mean, bitter, twisted fuck. I don't... This guy had some serious... I could make a podcast just about this guy. He was a really just fucking weird guy, but the way he... The way the character is drawn in this in this book, he looks just fucking like the guy. Uh, my driver's ed instructor looks just... And I could so easily picture that fucking nitwit, you know, assuming that cruise control... Oh, well, this is... Just, I guess I better get into character. <gasps> well, that's the same thing as autopilot, so I can go in the back and make myself a sandwich. Well, having done some incredibly stupid things myself, you know, I can totally understand that story. Why, why I doubt it would actually be true is, A, you probably wouldn't survive <laughs> doing that. B, if you did survive, you probably wouldn't tell people that what you just did, you know? So, <laughs> so telling that story, you know, so the story actually being able to get out doesn't make any sense. But that's how... My, my friend Vargas Pike from college and I had a whole um, theory about it called the untrue but believable theory. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it's it, it, if you put in enough stuff that's believable, then, and, you know, this this is, this book isn't re- truly pre-internet, but it's pre-fully formed internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I imagine all of these stories have had to have gained ten times as much mileage on the internet and had a hundred times more added to this. If they did an addendum of the new urban myths, well, all you gotta do is go to Snopes.com Well, actually, that's what I was about to, to say. See. I mean, what is Snopes.com except to, an- to answer the very the very phenomenon you just predicted? Yeah, so so now there's you know, and and every day, and you can tell it, it just, if, if you're one of those people that's on Facebook you'll see people who put these posts up and it'll have like a generic picture in it and there'll be a story or, or something somebody's written and it's always written in that same voice, almost the same voice as this book and then you know it's just one of those you know, bullshit stories that's going around, but people see it and they go, oh my god, and before you know it, you start hearing people tell you about it. I remember the, the um, it was only covered in a panel in this one, but uh, the whole bubble yum uh, thing when I was a kid, every once in a while you'd get a bubble yum bubble gum, and it was brand new back then, so big square soft bubblegum was a new thing and was like really popular everybody loved bubblegum bubblegum and every once in a while you'd get like a round globe of sugar in it that hadn't quite you know mixed in Mm -hmm. and uh, the rumors started going around that those were spider eggs and there was a (laughs) as a little kid I actually wrote a letter to Amy Carter asking her what she thought about the whole spider eggs and bubble yum you were trolling the first daughter i was seriously asking a question i was i was 
you know, I seriously wanted to know her opinion of it, and I got a form postcard back telling me, I asked her what it was like to live in the White House, and I asked her about the bubble yum, and I got a uh, a form postcard back that said it's fun living in the in the White House. Thanks for your letter, <laughs> and that was about it. And I'm like, I'll never know. That was at the same time that everybody was saying that uh, Mikey, who used to do the live cereal commercials, died from eating pop rocks and drinking Pepsi at the same time, <laughs> and his stomach expanded and exploded. Oh God, I wasn't even born. <laughs> Yeah, and that that was in the old days, and that stuff had to go mouth to mouth, like a big game of telephone. One of these, I had somebody who cited one of these stories as happening to his mother, and I believed it up until I just read the story because um, hmm. as the story as he told it was his mother. He and his mother went to Las Vegas to go. He went to gamble. She went to go see, you know, um, the shows. And uh, she was going up to their hotel room. And this big group of big, big, intimidating-looking black guys got on the the elevator with her. And she was scared shitless because they looked mean. And they were just giving her the eyeball and about halfway and they get in and the door closes and there's like one guy with all these big like bodyguards around him and he's looking at her and he goes, hit the floor. And she like, boom, lays down on the floor. (laughs) And they all sort of look at each other really funny and start laughing. And then they're like, he goes, no, ma'am. I mean, (laughs) I was telling him to push the button for the floor. And, uh, and she was embarrassed and then she got back to her room and the next day she got this huge th- you know flower arrangement and it was like sorry about last night Eddie Murphy Whoa. and we were like wow that's a great story well when you know I'm reading the, in, in this and it's the exact same story except it was uh, little old lady and Reggie Jackson and his bodyguards get in the in the elevator and he's got a little dog on a leash, and he goes, sit, lady. And then the old lady sits down, and then they all start laughing, and they buy her dinner. <laughs> so so this guy just fed me, he fed me a variation on a, on a he updated it to Eddie Murphy. And uh, I think his hit the floor is a lot better than sit, lady. I do too, actually. But yeah, it, it's funny. I haven't seen this guy in years, and I was just talking to somebody about him today. And now I want to see him to say, hey, man, remember that story? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this isn't a story, but this next one was actually told to me as a joke. There was a, It's a variation, uh-huh. but it's actually kind of similar. Um, the other one is um, The Day Trip on page 17, drawn, by the way, by Charlie Adler. The variation I heard didn't have anything to do with the newlywed, but the basic pitch is that a couple of guys are hanging around at a bar. They see somebody who's obviously just can't handle his liquor. He's falling down drunk. They fish out his wallet. They take they take him back to his home, and then it turns out to be his mother's house, and she was wondering why this guy isn't on his honeymoon where he should be. So you cut to a picture of a bride who's sitting all lonely and stuff in her hotel room, probably thinking she was going to get lucky that night, and instead she just got left high and dry. The variation I heard was that it's kind of a similar kind of pitch. Uh, These two guys are at a bar, 
and uh, somebody comes in, buys everyone uh, a round of drinks, and guy's just falling down drunk, gets to be last call, you know, they're getting ready to close, and the, the stranger is just on the floor, he won't get up no matter what. Drunk guy, he's on the ground, just refuses to stand up, you know, no matter what they try, the guy just won't get to his feet for any reason, wouldn't stand up. So, eventually his new drink, drinking buddies fish his wallet out of his pocket, copy down his address, and then drive him back to his house. When when they get there, Guy's wife asks where his wheelchair is. Oh, that's better. That's better than the than Adler's one. I like all the I like all the um bug ones. The the, the you know oh the tapeworm diet um. Uh, the the earwig story. Oh yeah! Is, oh god! That, that, was, that used to scare the hell out of me as a kid because I used to go pitch a tent across the street in the field next door, and there were always invariably get earwigs in the tent. They just would would crawl in there, and they look like a miniature version of the Wrath of Khan bug. Um, this was actually before I'd ever even seen Wrath before Wrath of Khan was even out, but. You know, they have pinchers on the front and pinchers on the back, and the whole story is, you know, the person would get the ear, something in their ear, and, ah, oh, I got this weird feeling in my ear. They'd go to the doctor, and he'd say, oh, yeah, you have an earwig, but it's too far down in there. Uh, you know, if I try to pull it out, it's going to pull apart, and, and you'll get infected, so we just have to wait for it to crawl out <coughs> the other side, <laughs> out of the other ear. So, you know, after a month, the earwig crawls out the other side, and she catches it and goes back to the doctor and says, oh, well, I guess I don't have to worry anymore. And he goes, well, actually, it was a female earwig, and they lay eggs. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. That scared the hell out of everybody when, when we were kids. And I loved the one. There were so many about something that would just be filled with spiders or bugs whether it was candy, someone's hair, there was a story of a pinata, or what? No, it was a um, a um, cactus. And they were like, "What's up with this cactus? It looks like it's breathing." And then you know, it, it explode with some rare breed of Mexican spider. There's a lot of fear of over-the-border stories too. You know, the little old lady who goes to Mexico and finds a cute little chihuahua brings it home and the vet tells her it's actually a diseased sewer rat that's a that's a classic of all time and just just believable there's some there's one in here about a, a girl who was went to the beach and they thought she was pregnant and she swears up and down that she never had sex and when um when they um operate they find an octopus in her belly because she must have swallowed an oct octopus egg Right. I remember hearing that one when I was a kid, and it's not that I was the smartest kid in the entire world. In fact, in a lot of ways, I was actually pretty stupid. But even I mm -hmm. kind of had to raise the bullshit flag on that one. Something. Of, I mean, if you swallow an egg, not to put too fine a point on it, it's going to pass, right? Or it's going to melt, or it's whatever. It's going to get digested. The eggs are food. <laughs> eggs right. are made and to be food, so even, yeah. It, what's not going to happen, though, is it's going to somehow end up in, in some chick's baby place you incubating know incubating in her stomach or yeah incubating in in yeah much lesser reproductive or, organs i think they were implying that it was just just growing in her stomach right 
Well, all the same. It's just, yeah. I, I, I found it, I, I just, even at the time, I thought that was, look, I might have been born at night. It wasn't last night, guys. Come on. But some of these have actually kind of made their way into uh, pop uh, culture. Oh, sure. Um, a variation on the Philanderer's Porsche on a, from a page 28. This is... A variation on this is a deleted scene. Did you ever see that movie, um, High Fidelity? Yeah. Well, did you ever check out the uh, deleted scenes on the uh, DVD? No. Well, there's a character that's played by uh, Beverly uh, D'Angelo, right? Mm-hmm. What? And, and the basic setup is this: she uh, call, she sees that he that he runs this record shop, right? Calls him over to her house, and basically with the intent of selling her husband's record collection to him, and it's got some seriously rare shit in there. We're talking like Sex Pistols singles, like original pressings, um, all kinds of just really, really neat stuff that any collector, I mean, if, if that's the kind of thing that you collect, right, you find you'd give one of your else. paired reproductive organs to have, right? So, um, eventually, you know, they start talking about price, and she, this is just insanely low-balled, and eventually comes out that her husband ran off with his mistress and asked his wife, you know, sell his, because he needed to get back in the country, sell my record collection and then send me uh, the money keep a certain uh, percentage of it for yourself as a commission and then I can buy a plane ticket you know come back home and so just to be a bitch what she was going to do is just sell the record collection for some ridiculous amount of money I mean, there, easily there had to be something like five six seven thousand dollars worth of stuff in there she was going to sell it all for like a hundred dollars and then send him a check for seventy dollars and then that would be it just to be a bitch <laughs> And there's and the philanderer's Porsche story is just sort of a variation on that. Yeah, you know, my husband ran out of mm-hmm. the country. He's pork and his secretary. He wants me to sell the house and the Porsche, so I'll sell you this Porsche for like fifty bucks. Something about Mary, famous scene in something the movie Something About Mary, where uh, and I remember when I first saw that movie, I remembered it from an urban legend. Is when uh, you go out on the date. And there was, this was a variation on it, but he was he was he was at somebody's house, and there's a little feisty dog, and he's playing catch with the ball, and then the ball bounces out the window, and they're on the you know 15th floor, and the dog goes bounding out after after it. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that scene. And I'm what sure Wrath of Khan was somebody was somebody just said, let's put a earwig on steroids, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, the other one that I that, that I could think of, it was called like a fart in the dark or the blind date. Mm-hmm. Um, that became God. a commercial. I can't believe it. It's my first blind date. Oh, I do it all the time. Really? <laughs> Woo. Woo. You guys meet? Greg, Janice? We sure did. That was stupid. <laughs> Great. This is Smart, an alphanumeric paging service for just $7.99 a month from who else? Smart Beep. Call 1-800-BEEP-199 to find out what all the stink is about. We've got chemistry here. You feel it? I felt it. All right, Janice. Yeah, well, yeah, so you knew where that was going. Actually, like, it was seconds before you called me. This was just a while ago. I thought, well, you know what? I want to see if I can find that. I couldn't even remember what the hell it was even a commercial for. All you have to do is go to YouTube and put girl farts in car. (laughs) Right. And actually, and what I put in is actually, that's actually pretty much it right there. And so that was literally the first thing that popped up that I haven't seen it in like, ah, God, when was, when was that on like 1998 or 97 or something? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, and I know it's the right thing just because I remember it. And I was, I was thinking, oh, and it's basically for, of all things, 
a pager because this was the 90s. There was a pager service. I don't understand what farting in a car has to do with a pager, but um, there you have it. <laughs> well, the commercial people are still watching that commercial long after pagers are gone. <laughs> well, you know, actually, they're not completely gone. I, apparently, um, this actually used to be my this was back, at least when I had a job. That was the uh, line of work. That was one of the things that uh, my company provided because there's, believe it or not, a lot of demand for pagers for, among um, surgeons uh, oh. and people who work in, uh, I'm trying to think. Drug dealing? Like, 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 well, like the big telcos, you know, whenever someone goes out to fix up a cellular tower or something like that, well, for whatever reason, it's, it's very convenient for them to carry pagers and stuff. But uh, the surgeons at least need it because the cell phone if they carry one on them, might fuck up their equipment, whereas a pager, it just works, and they don't have to worry about it messing anything up, so they can always be on call. But a, a, it's a niche, it's a fucking incredibly niche market, but yeah, it's believe it or not, it's still out there. So, I was at my local grocery store, and I saw VH, brand new VHS tapes on the, on the stacks. Of what movies? Blank. VHS tapes. Like blank? Blank. Oh, God. Yep. The, the, and I looked at them. They don't and even make those kinds of TVs anymore. Okay, whatever. It's 2013, and on the packaging of it, so there's somewhere there's still one, probably one factory making VHS tapes. I sell a lot of little cassette recorders on on eBay. People still want cassette players. Oh, I just remembered another one that showed up in a movie. Let's hear it. Um, when Santa Claus, when the father dresses up as Santa Claus and decides to drop in on his kids and gets burnt up, gets stuck, and then burnt right, up. Yeah, I'm... <clears throat> that was in Gremlins. Uh, I haven't seen Gremlins in forever. Okay, I'll take your word for BB it on Cates that. has seen... a big speech about why her family doesn't <laughs> celebrate Christmas anymore. And her, her, it was a, a, once again, it was a variation on this where... Her dad was going to go and, and surprise him, and he slipped in the chimney and broke his neck, and they thought he ran off on him. And then that winter, they went to start a fire, and the chimney was clogged up. And they didn't notice the smell of rotting flesh? It's gremlins, you know. How, how realistic do you expect it to be? But, yeah, they all... Actually, and you know what? That sort of reminds me. You know, since we're talking about, like, all the pop culture connections of this stuff here... See if I can find it. There's one. There's a there's a hotel room where you know basically mm -hmm. this couple they go for like a second honeymoon or something like that, mm -hmm. and, they and then see they their first honeymoon on the porno <laughs> reel. <laughs> basically, yeah, and that and that's what ends up, yeah, and not that exactly as far as like you know the sex stuff, but more it just it wasn't that a movie. It uh, was. Like, I it, think it was sort of a snuff film variation of it. They were. They were right. filming people getting murdered, ex-murdered in their rooms, but it's probably where it came from. Right. Well, and it, it just kind of – it just sort of made me think that you know a lot of these stories, like the, the thing that really makes them hold on even after all these years is these things actually live and die by the variations. I mean there's no single version out there that um, this, is, this is the official story of this bullshit thing that never even happened to begin with. No, they're out there to get tweaked. That's the thing. For Just like this guy who told me the Eddie Murphy story. They're there to get updated and, and improved upon. And they do. It's, a, it's like a game of telephone. You know, it just... It, they, and the, a lot of them are 
in a twisted way, kind of little morality stories. So they're very – people want to believe them because they're very satisfying. Somebody gets their come up, comeuppance. You know, there's like the guy who takes the dog for a walk every day, every day. But then one day he's feeling really sick and he can't take the dog for a walk. And when the wife takes the dog out, it walks him right to the mistress's house who's sitting there with a bowl of food for it, you know. <laughs> So they, they, you know, some of some of them are just tragic and horrible, but they, you know, others are just you know little exercises in in comeuppance and irony, like the um the one where the sheriff has taken his deputy out and he's like, oh look, we found some hippies in a tent, you know, we'll go scare them and and tell them we're gonna arrest them and you can have sex with the hippie girl and the deputy come back comes back and goes, oh, just like you said, sheriff. You know, so the sheriff goes, "Okay, well, I hope you left some for me." And he goes in, and it's his daughter. You know? <laughs> I so, love that. Yeah, it's, yeah, of course, it's satisfying. That's what you want to see happen. You know, that's and and that's why these stories live and breathe forever because people love it, or 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 they just have if even if it's not direct, it's just. Um, you know, sort of morality tales like, oh, you know, don't just have random sex with a girl in a bar because you might wake up in the morning either with your kidney gone or you could go in and see on the mirror written in lipsticks, welcome to the AIDS club. I remember hearing that through the 80s like crazy, the welcome to the AIDS club story. Uh, yeah, and I heard it when I, a lot when I was in um, junior high. One thing, though, that – and I don't know like what – kind of connection you want to make with this but this is this one was called the well to hell page yes. 68 and this kind of reminded me of this old what's his name the, the he did uh, coast to coast Art for Bell. a while i know exactly I, I know exactly what you're talking about he used to play that recording now i don't know the veracity of this recording and i don't know if the source is real or not it was just sent to me and we'll leave it at that and it was moans and groans and static yeah, and it was supposedly, you know, just basically recordings of people basically burning in hell, and it really just sounds like it's people shouting into the end of uh, some kind of like a half pipe or something, you know, at the other. <laughs> That's I mean, very it, likely what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe it could be people burning in hell, but it could just as easily be as fake as I think it kind of sounded. I, I don't know. But... I don't know what. Well, let's see. Uh, what? It's about 50 50, right? You know, <laughs> which one would be true? Well, right, but it just it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know. I mean, does I, something that, I, at least in my opinion, was probably faked? Is that does that really count as an urban legend? I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, it depends on. I'm thinking. My my guess is that somebody had heard the urban legend and made the tape to send to Art Bell. Hmm. You know, and. You know, and they, and and it's always good to work off an urban legend because you send the tape in to Art Bell, and Art Bell could go, "Ah, oh, yeah, you know, I think I remember hearing that story, and I remember, I, actually, I remember seeing that story as a front page headline on another urban legend mainstay, the Weekly World News, right? Yeah, and that was still around, and uh, that you know, so, you know, miners open hole to hell, you know, and you see a little hole with smoke coming out of it, and ghostly screams of the condemned are heard echoing out of it. So, 
the sad thing is, you know, there's a percentage of people who are just dumb enough to... I, I used to work with a guy, and you could just tell him stuff, and he would believe it, you know? And yeah. you'd just have to wait, and he'd be telling, you'd hear him telling other people, and they'd be like, that's bullshit. And he's like, no, man, I'm telling you, somebody else told me this, and they swear to God that it's real. And, and that's that. And there's no shortage of assholes like me who'll, who'll spread this shit, you know? Just on, and, and it's funny because people will be like, why would you want to do that? You, because it's hilarious. Well, you know, now we actually are kind of going to get off topic here a little bit. But yeah, I mean, um, that kind of overly credulous person. Yeah. Um, a friend of my girlfriend's, uh, this was like, I want to say it was like a year and a half ago or something like that or a year ago. Um, just sitting outside of a movie theater waiting for, you know, something to start. And so her boyfriend or non-boyfriend, I don't know what, what really what the status of those two ever were. But um, she asked, you know, well, how did you two meet? Well, the true story of how we met was, you know, just we went to school together and then that was basically it. But I thought, well, that... That's kind of boring, That's boring, you know? yeah. Yeah, so wouldn't it be kind of funny if I just made up a more interesting way that we met? And I said, well, what ended up happening was we were both in the same religious cult at the same time. And I just I just kept spinning this this bullshit, you know, just higher and higher. Because I was thinking, you know, she's not going to buy this. But no, she's buying it. And, you know, just kept on going higher and higher. And I said, yeah. And, the, you know, there, there came a point when they said that, you know, uh, because of some sort of a misunderstanding with the government, you know, something to do with the IRS or something like that, they said it. You know, just basically they're they're persecuting, you know, what we thought was a prophet. And so, you know, it, it just became apparent that it was probably time to take this uh, this whole, the, you know, our uh, sort of all of the pilgrims overseas, you know, and uh, they said that, you know, besides uh, they can just give us a drink, this special blend of, you know, Kool-Aid and it's really going to set us at ease. You know, and it's just going to help us all relax. And, you know, this whole time her eyes are just getting wider and wider. And she's buying the most flagrant of lies. Well, you but here's here's the thing, and, and here we get into the untrue but believable factor, is, yeah, you were telling her a ridiculous story, but you framed it in a religious cult. And, you know, what do people... I mean, people think of all... They think of, yeah, people drinking... Jim Jones... Drink, I mean, drinking the Kool-Aid is now... You know, it's probably in the dictionary by now. But, um... At, or they think of, you know, drinking the... I can't remember what poison they drank to go meet Hale-Bopp the meteor. That was like arsenic. Yeah. But it was mixed up in some... In soda or something. But, in, you know, I mean, so you put it in... You were tell, you, you put it into a context where you could spin it. The, the crazier... Actually, the crazier your yarn was, almost the more credibility it's, it, it lends to it. And there's also people who, even if you, they might not even be credulous, they just might be very, like, just don't think that you would lie to them. I guess that is credulous, too, actually. The end result's the same. But I don't know. I mean, it's and it just kind of makes me think, you know, it's people like that have got to be you know any urban legends sort of lifeline i mean you know because i think that there's a, there's a certain percentage of people out there that the minute that they hear something that's 
it's a little too perfect, you know. Uh, yes. The right person got what was coming to him at just the right time. Yes, everything, all the dominoes line up, and it, it, it's, sat- it's so fully satisfying. Yes. And I think there's a lot of people out there w- would instantly hear something like that, and maybe wouldn't go so far as to outright say, you know what, this is complete horseshit. I don't. I. I. I no, I'm not. I'm not going to buy into this. But they will at least, I don't know, salt it away and say, you know what, I, something about this, I, I'm not going to go so far as to just say it's not it, it's not right crock of shit, but it's just, it, there's something here that's just off. And so, but then there's, a, I, I, I would hope, a smaller percentage of people that just are that fucking stupid that, you know, they say, oh my god, you uh-huh. mean there, there was a killer in the room with her the whole time and then he, uh, he wrote this bloody message on the wall rather than, you know, escape or kill her too or something like that he hangs around just long enough to leave some kind of cryptic but ironic you know sort of message you know i mean come on dude and the problem with a lot of this stuff is now on the internet for modern stuff you can track it down that's what snopes is for or you know or if you want to track it down yourself back in these days where or or even uh, say you're trying to verify one of these old stories where are you going to find the news story that tells about this or the police report you know how are you how are you gonna find it you can't do a google search for it it's in a file cabinet somewhere so if this real if some of this stuff really did happen which Mm. it could have happened or more likely something vaguely similar happened and then it just got more and more satisfying you know all the time as the as a you know it got turned into a more of a perfect story uh, or a moral story or something like that I've, I've always thought of um, there's a lot of like uh, decapitation ones with um, motorcyclers and stuff like that and and that sort of thing does happen I there was a decapitation in my hometown with somebody who was riding a snowmobile and and went through some barbed wire and it wasn't, you know, zing, their head was off, but it got them in the neck, and that was the end of them. And, and people hear about that, and all of a sudden it becomes a lot better if it's a pane of glass that slides off a truck and cleanly slices his head off. And then, you know, the headless driver of the motorcycle goes by the truck driver, giving the truck driver a heart attack. And then, you know, leaving the police to figure out what the hell just happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just domino effect of, yeah. Yeah. And that's why this stuff ends up in movies. It's perfect. It's, it's, and that's where it belongs and, you know, in the world of, of fiction. Oh, what was it? Well, you know, the ones of people leaving babies on their roof. I totally believe that. That's a, that's, that's a plausible one. People do dumb shit like that. I've watched people just set things on the roof of their car and drive away. And I don't care how good a parent you are, somebody somewhere could leave a baby on. But then there's this stuff like, oh, we put the baby in the microwave to dry him off. Or, or you know, oh, another favorite of mine are all the drug stories. I love them because we had a health teacher named Mrs. Peters who used to pass those off as truth. Then they don't have it in here. But my favorite was the guy who took LSD and thought he was an orange. And to this day, he's in a mental home and nobody can go near him. He starts screaming because he thinks they're coming to peel him. 
she told our class that story. It was, and I remember, I remember the whole class sat there and nobody was buying it. And that was early on enough. I wasn't even dreaming of ever taking any drugs, and I was like, "That sounds like bullshit to be an orange." You say, <laughs> "I don't know." I buy, I, I buy the disease Chihuahua <laughs> story a lot more. Well, the um, <clears throat> as far as like uh, setting stuff on top of your car, actually, this I, I never even made the connection on uh, to this something about Mary, but there is actually a story in here. I'm completely blanking on which one it was, but there is one in here where where a woman puts her baby on top of uh, the car, and then they just start driving around. And again, there's something about Mary. The body, the dog is in a full body cast, and Ben Stiller forgot to he put him on the roof of the car and just drove off and forgot about it. Oh, that's and, right. Wow. So, I guess the Farley brothers owe. Well, I guess they don't owe anybody royalties, do they? We don't know where. No, stuff's exactly. Done. That stuff's free for the taking. Hey, it's like. It would be trying to, you know, it'd be trying to charge George Lucas for the hero, the hero's journey. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking around. Do you have any? Uh, is there is there anything more that you that, that you'd like to talk about, or are you pretty much uh, tapped out on this? I wouldn't say I'm tapped out, but it's it's either uh, it's either tap out or go for four hours because. Yeah, I could, I, I I could go through these. They're just fun to tell, you know. I could go through these one by one, and and just tell the stories. And it's almost as fun as reading the comics. That's what the whole nature of them. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah, they, these are conversation stimulators. I'll give you that. All right. Well, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you then? All right, you can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our spanky new website and god i don't even have a number of i can't even i've never counted recently how many podcasts we have up there which means we have a lot of podcasts up there we got star trek star wars comics horror movies manga uh, uh, just all kinds of and specialty shows Galore. So, twotruefreaks.com. Go in. Uh, you can browse around and uh, see what's there. There's, if you're listening to this, there's got to be something there that you like. Something. Well, and I would agree with that, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for uh, joining us, and i uh, see you next time. Yeah. I, I'm, thanks. For, I'm really honored to be the first guest on a podcast. Oh, by the way, do you, um, can I stop the recording? Cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain. 
and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Yeah, yeah, play it. Come on, play it loud. Play it loud. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic, foolish emotions, a constant irritant. And transpire out, freak. Two. Along the circus, <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. True! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, oh. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go and now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Yeah, goddamn lucky he didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julius, you I say shut up! It's a man A man to truefreaks.com Wow, I'm really glad I decided to pony up and take my wife to Italy for her birthday. The food, the sights, the atmosphere, it's all just so perfect. <sighs> Too bad I had to ask if there was a comic book shop located at the Vatican. Uh, maybe it wasn't the brightest thing to do on her birthday, but granted, I'm certain I've done things way more foolish than that. Good afternoon. Gah! Where did you come from, and who the heck are you? My name is Dufo Manzo, and where I come from is none of your concern. What is of your concern is that I have an offer to make of you, an offer that you should not refuse. Uh, okay. What is it? I have listened to your podcasts, and it just so happens that I am in the podcasting business myself. Someday I will ask a favor of you, one that I hope you will repay to me in good faith. When you do so, you will become a part of my family, and your show will prosper along with it. Oh, that sounds great. What do I need to do? You will know when the time is right. Until then, I wish you and your lovely wife the happiest of times in my fair country. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Some time has passed. And
And that does it for another episode of Just One of the Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll catch you all next week. Bravo. Bravo. God! How how the hell did you find me, and how did you get in my house? Do not worry yourself with such trivial matters. I have seen your work with this podcast, and I have come to accept the favor that is owed to me. Uh, but you never said what you wanted from me. That is true, so let me restate it now. Wait, what? I have started up a brand new podcasting venture entitled Two True Freaks. I am setting them up with their own website, twotruefreaks.com. And I am gathering a podcast such as yours that have gained my favor to become a part of the Two True Freaks podcast network. I will do the honor of putting the Just One of the Guys on the Two True Freaks network. And in return, our debt will be settled. Oh, okay. Hey, wait, what debt? Do you accept my offer? Uh, sure. I mean, does this mean I'll get paid for the show finally? No. Oh, okay. Well, does it mean I'll get some cannoli? Of course. The DiManzo family originated cannoli. In fact, we are known the world over for our stuffing of creamy fillings in the tubes. Come check out Just One of the Guys every Friday at 2TrueFreaks.com. Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. You can find the home for Trentus Magnus, Punch's Reality, at magnus.libson.com. You can also find it on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trentusmagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind. And that's a promise. If you enjoyed the show, review it in iTunes. If you didn't enjoy the show, review it in iTunes. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promo can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promo section. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality is copyright Magnus Media Enterprises Limited, Wisconsin Falls, California. (laughs) 